0: The EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the Church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis.
1: Welcome to this week's edition of Vatican Insider. My weekly report on news highlights in the Vatican, a Q&A when there's time, and the interview segment featuring guests from Rome and around the world. Now this week, tune in after the news for part two of my conversation in Chicago with a friend of many years, Father Frank Phillips, former pastor for 30 years at Chicago's well known St. John Cantus Church. Assigned as pastor in 1988. He's always been a proponent of liturgy that is celebrated with reverence and with great attention to the rubrics as established by the Church. And thanks to him and the current pastor, Father Josh Caswell, St. John offers high and low masses in both Latin and English. He founded the Canons Regular of St. John Cantius, who today work in three parishes in two dioceses in Illinois, and offer 57 public masses weekly, and hear more than 700 confessions each week. Yes, you heard that right. Now, the highlights of the past week in the Vatican, the Pope had a great number of meetings this week, including both private audiences and those with members of organizations and institutions from many countries. Sunday, October 16th, at the Angelus, Pope Francis made the surprise announcement that the ongoing Synod on Synodality that began last year and was due to end in October 2023 will be extended to October 2024. He said he hoped this decision will favor the comprehension of synodality as a constitutive element of the Church and help everyone to live it as a journey of brothers and sisters who bear witness to the joy of the Gospel. Following the Pope's announcement, the General Secretariat of the Synod released a press communique to explain the decision saying the 2018 Apostolic Constitution Episcopales Communio Comunio allows for the possibility of multiple sessions of the same synod. Also at the Angelus, the Holy Father called on children throughout the world to pray the rosary on Tuesday, October 18th for peace in Ukraine and other war-torn areas. This is part of the initiative A Million Children Praying the Rosary. The Pontifical Foundation, Aid to the Church in Need, organizes the Rosary Prayer every year, inviting parishes, schools, and families to pray for peace. Monday, October 17th. In a message to the World Food Forum taking place in Rome, Pope Francis reminded participants that in a world impacted by interconnected crises, the centrality of the human person must never be forgotten. His words were a call, quote, not simply to feed the other, but to give ourselves in service to others, in a spirit of fraternity and solidarity that must inspire relations between individuals and between peoples. The October 17th to 21st form comes in a year of unprecedented hunger. UN statistics show that conflict, COVID, the climate crisis, and rising costs have combined to create jeopardy for up to 828 million hungry people across the world. Also Monday, addressing the Cistercians of the Common Observance on the occasion of their general chapter, Pope Francis encouraged them in their faith journey, walking together following Christ, to be with him, to listen to him, to observe him. He said it's a journey that each one makes at their own pace, their own unique and unrepeatable history, but together in community, just as the twelve apostles who were always with Jesus and walked with him. They had not chosen themselves, but were chosen by the Lord, said the Pope, and it was not always easy to get along given their differences, weaknesses, and pride. We too are like that, the Pope pointed out, and it can also be challenging for us to move together in fellowship. Also Monday, addressing a group of entrepreneurs from Spain, Pope Francis described their presence as a sign of hope. He noted that we are living in an era with well-known economic and social imbalances adding that there is an urgent need to propose an adequate economy to help solve the major problems we are experiencing worldwide. The Holy Father went on to express three ideas he considers relevant for their journey as entrepreneurs. Be prophets, work on your spiritual health, your relation with God, and do everything with love. Wednesday, October 19th. The Vatican announced that Pope Francis will travel on a private visit to the northern Italian town of Asti in the Piedmont region on November 19th and 20th to celebrate a cousin's 90th birthday. He will spend the night in Asti and then on Sunday, November 20th, will preside at Mass at 11 a.m. at Asti's Cathedral to meet the diocesan community that his parents left when they emigrated to Argentina. Francis will return to the Vatican that afternoon. Also Wednesday, at the general audience, in the presence of a large crowd of pilgrims, Pope Francis circled a sun-splashed St. Peter's Square in the papal jeep, giving a ride to five schoolchildren. Rome for weeks has been marked by beautiful clear skies and unseasonably warm temperatures in what the Italians call le Ottobrate Romane, the equivalent of the English term Indian Summer. Pope Francis continued his catechesis on discernment, saying, We now consider the importance of interpreting, in the light of God's provident care, our own life story. Through prayer and spiritual insight, we can learn to discern the thread of God's grace running through our own lives. The lives of the saints also shed light on our personal path to holiness, he said. For example, in the Confessions, St. Augustine shared his gradual understanding of how God mysteriously led him to discover and embrace the truth that alone satisfies the deepest desires of our heart. He said St. Ignatius Loyola, another great spiritual guide, drew upon his own journey of conversion in order to teach us how to discern God's voice speaking deep within us, guiding our steps through life, and calling us to ever deeper union with himself. Pope Francis renewed his prayers for martyred Ukraine. On the same day, the president of the European Commission denounced Russia's recent attacks on civilian infrastructure as war crimes. The Pope invited prayers for an end to the horrible things that are happening there, the torture, the deaths, and the destruction. He also spoke of Nigeria, which is experiencing the worst flooding in a decade, with vast areas of farmland, infrastructure, and homes fully or partly destroyed. I think of the violent rains that have fallen on Nigeria in these days, causing flooding, numerous deaths, and tremendous damage. Francis invited everyone to pray for all who have lost their lives and for everyone affected by the devastating natural disaster. May these, our brothers and sisters, experience our solidarity and the support of the international community, the Pope said. Thursday, October 20th, Pope Francis recalled the rich history of the Marion Hill missionaries, and he encouraged them to continue their mission in a way that is always more open to the Holy Spirit's newness and promptings. He was addressing the missionaries, whose congregation is dedicated to foreign missions, who have been participating in their general chapter in Rome on the theme Solidarity, called to be of one mind and one purpose. It is my hope, he said, that your deliberations will confirm the congregation in its founding charism, which combines fidelity to the evangelical councils with passion for the spread of the gospel ad gentes and the extension of Christ's kingdom of holiness, justice, and peace. Friday, October 21st. Pope Francis received a delegation of parliamentarians and mayors from the northern French Diocese of Cambrai, accompanied by Archbishop Vincent Dolman. He encouraged them to embrace representative methods that allow them to bring people's real needs to the highest authorities. He especially urged them to care for the most disadvantaged in society. After his meeting with the French officials, the Holy Father welcomed participants in the 27th World Congress of UNIAPAC, and that's the International Christian Union of Business Executives, an ecumenical organization for Christian business people. Reflecting on the theme of their meeting, creating a new economy for the common good, The Pope said this phrase is especially relevant today, as too often, economy is unexclusive, dehumanizing, and destroys the environment. He asked them to use their gifts to promote the common good. Well, that's it for this week's top news stories, but stay right here for my talk with Father Frank Phillips, former pastor for 30 years at Chicago's well-known St. John Cantus Church, as we discuss liturgy and the canons regular of St. John Cantius, founded by Father Frank. God bless, and have a great weekend. He is honored by the Church as a saint with the title of the angelic doctor. Matthew Bunsen and the Doctors of the Church St. Thomas Aquinas wrote a basic textbook for young theology students that became the Church's most famous guide to the faith, the Summa Theologica. It helped him earn the title Doctor of the Church. He died in 1274.
0: For more about the Doctors of the Church, visit doctorsofthechurch.com. Faith is a precious gift from God. As the largest religious media network in the world, EWTN has an important role in educating others about our Catholic faith and spreading the good news of salvation. We invite you to explore our numerous pages of historical faith documents, prayers, teachings, and other current issues in Catholicism today. Visit EWTN.com and click Catholicism. EWTN, the global Catholic network. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis.
1: Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Father Frank Phillips, a longtime friend and former pastor for 30 years at St. John Cantius Church in Chicago. As you heard last week, he had always been a proponent of liturgy that is celebrated with reverence and with great attention to the rubrics as established by the church. And thanks to him and the current pastor, Father Josh Caswell, St. John offers high and low masses in both Latin and English. Father Phillips also greatly enhanced this solemn liturgy by the rich musical tradition of the Western Church. He revived many devotions, including vespers and benediction, the Corpus Christi procession, stations of the cross, the St. Joseph and St. Anne novenas, tenebrae, First Friday and First Saturday devotions. Today, we talk about the canons regular of St. John Cantius, the amazing number of liturgies they have each week, and much more. You have the large numbers of people, and you have families coming. That's correct. And children grow up, they they, they know up, up with their senses. Like you just said a minute ago, they, they walk into church, they're four or five years old, and they put their fingers in the holy water. Right. And then not yeah. until First Communion are they receiving communion, but still, they see the beauty. Their parents point it out. They go over to pray at a certain Madonna or St. Joseph. So their spiritual life is is greatly nourished when they're when they're very, very young.
2: They it, grow up in the faith, which is the important thing. It's not just Mass on Sunday. It's yes. the living faith. Which is brought up in the family, daily prayer, sacrifice, uh, prayer at meals, meals together, which is yeah. becoming a very very rare. But uh, families need to do these things together right. in order to appreciate attendance and participation in the Holy Eucharist.
1: Exactly. And, and also, in, in your church, in, in, in St. John Cantius, in particular, um, w- uh, before the investiture ceremony, I was walking all around, taking, I probably took 40 pictures, um, the the chapel, on the way to the sanctuary, I am um, excuse me, sacristy, all the relics, and, and I mean, you almost have to have some way, you can't read all the fine print, but tons of relics so children go in and you see a relic and you say this is saint faustina this is saint john bosco or whoever they would be and and then if that isn't enough you go to the chapel just uh would be to your left as you come in the church with the replica the one-third size replica of the magnificent altar at St. Mary's on Market Square in Krakow.
2: Exactly, yes. I
1: went to Mass there every night for a week when I was in Krakow, and it was jammed. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you don't you think of the Polish in faith? And I don't mean just St. John Kanchis. Um It's just in their native Poland.
2: They have a, a depth to them. In fact, uh, why did I commission that altar piece? Yeah. Because... Uh, the parishioners who built our church were from that area of Krakow. Uh, and maybe the last thing they saw was that altarpiece. Oh, yeah. And so when I had that altarpiece, the Wichstolz altarpiece uh, commissioned, it was my chance to have a votive offering for the faith of those early parishioners, yeah. the builders.
1: I think of Poland, I've uh, been there a number of times in recent years, but. I definitely think of Poland and faith and uh, Father Frank when you think about it when Poland was not even a geopolitical unit mm. the entity it was held together by the catholic faith That's and, correct And Pope John Paul reminded us of that more more than, more than once you know Did you ever meet him in your time at, here
2: at least 10 times oh good okay <laughs> I,
1: I'm, I'm glad to know that so um you know how could you not did he visit ever saint john Cantus? no he
2: never visited but the crowns that are on the blessed mother yeah i had those commissioned again as votive offerings oh and we actually took those to rome had audience with the pope and he blessed them
1: Oh, wonderful. No, they're beautiful. Yeah, and
2: just yesterday, the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, they had the rededication of the altar. Oh. So it was done you know, so many years ago with new crowns, and now the altars, everything's all been restored yeah. to the former beauty.
1: Oh, when you walk in, in the church, I hope my pictures do it justice, when you walk in the church, you just kind of intake of breath. <clears throat> the The beauty, the solemnity... And, I forgot to mention this at the beginning, but I love the cornerstone. What's written on the cornerstone of St. John Cantius? Awesome is this place. It is the house of God and the gate of heaven. I mean, Father Frank, that should be on every church. Yeah, above the door.
2: Above every door, yeah. Yes. And it's so strange because the, the facade of the church is so... Solid, you know, it's massive. And yeah. Very cold.
1: Almost. But yeah. But then
2: you walk in. Oh. You have it, all this beautiful.
1: Yeah.
2: The colors, the wood, the exactly. stained glass. Even exactly. the stained glass is miraculous on how they designed it. Really. The north side and the south side windows balance out so the light when it comes down blends.
1: Oh my God. So they
2: use colored glasses to make that illusion.
1: Oh, and they're beautiful windows. They really, really are. And I know they're making some more windows. I was shown a stairwell that had to be recreated. And some glass windows are going to be figuring Gabriel, Michael, and and Raphael. That I don't know. I couldn't say. But I think that's a a fairly recent um, project. Now, we talk about the Canons Regular of St. John Cantius Parish. And um, tell my listeners what a canon is I think well, they just know priest, bishop and cardinal <laughs> right. uh,
2: a canon regular belongs to a community of men or women and what they do as canons they observe what are called the, the canonical offices so that's like uh, in the present language the office of readings morning prayer, midday prayer vespers, compliment and so on those hold the community together Daily Mass holds the community together. So the canonical life is actually very structured, and it's structured around the life, the prayer life of the church. So that's what a canon does.
1: And how would you say um, someone just stepped out of a pew and said, So Father, what's the difference between Father and canon? What they call their parish priest.
2: Actually, there's no difference like for us, because they're all called fathers. Yeah. Some groups are more particular, and they call themselves canons. But that's really such an alien title in America that not many people would understand it.
1: Well, as a matter of fact, I read on, on your website that um, it was Cardinal George had asked you in, um, I'm not sure of the year, he had asked you to see that, uh, that interested men begin living the common life at St. John Cantius. And it was an outgrowth of life at the parish, and the Cardinal called it the Society of St. John Cantius, and then later that was changed to the canons regular. That's uh, correct, uh, yes.
2: because society is very loosely organized. The more, uh, one, one of the priests that helped form the canons said, at the very beginning, what you are living is a uh, more charismatic okay, of society. Okay, sure. Mm-hmm. The more formalized you became, canons regular.
1: Gotcha. Exactly. I understand there's a pretty good growth in those vocations. How many canons are there now?
2: Uh, 30.
1: 30. And I met some young men today who are studying. So, uh, And I read <clears throat> on the website that the canons serve in three churches in two dioceses and have 57 masses a week and 700 confessions i that blew my mind
2: it doesn't surprise me at all with the confessions because when when the men used to come to me at the very beginning what are you looking for i'm looking for someone who would be willing to spend hours in the confessional and to perform the sacred rites with clarity with devotion and reverence mm-hmm. that's all i need
1: exactly well, a lot of people today feel that Mass is, you know, we have fewer every Sunday, it seems, once once an hour, and now it's two or three on a Sunday morning in a parish. And you go to fulfill your Sunday obligation, and that's a beautiful thing to do. But so much of it feels like it's rote. And um, when you answer the priest, it's something you weren't even thinking about. You just know that that's the answer. I, I think a lot of the beauty... The solemnity, the reverence that can be found in a Latin Mass, and it can be the traditional Latin or the novice Novus Ordo. Order, in, which in we Latin. also do, yeah. Sure, but a lot of people do feel that what they call the sacred is is missing, and yet the whole Mass is one big sacred <coughs> offering to the Lord, the Eucharist.
2: See, I think uh, somehow people got a little disoriented with. You know, the, the the rite itself is sacred, and so you cannot take that away from it. No, no. But uh, <clears throat> how the uh, the rituals and so on are carried out could sometimes be... I used to have with Monsignor Hellerberg, he says, many times the celebration, as it should have been, turned into a demonstration. And that's what happened to, I think, many, many
1: individuals. Today, it was the first time in a while that I've been to a Latin Mass because of course we don't have them in my parish in Rome but i just sensed reverence i saw recollection i didn't see a lot of movement uh, of people in pews or whispering to a neighbor or something yeah. it was each person was really there for that entire sacred time the liturgy of the word the liturgy of the eucharist and then receiving communion at the altar rail mm-hmm. I had not had that occasion for many years. They've taken altar rails out, so you just stand in line. But Stand um, in line, right? Yeah, stand in line like you would for a movie ticket, right? Let me ask you, how did things go, do you know, during COVID? I mean, Father Josh, of course, was, was the pastor, or is, but did your churches have to close here in, in the States? How did that work?
2: Everything was restricted. I was not in St. John, so I couldn't really say... But they followed whatever the uh the directives were for the city or the government and they kept the church open. Mm-hmm. Many churches just shut down, which was I think in my mind's eye a big mistake because it is in those moments that people needed the faith to pull oh, them yes. through, you know. But that's you know, water under the bridge. But many people's faith has either been strengthened by their perseverance in living the faith. Yeah. Or, in the case of not living the faith, their faith has become diminished.
1: Now, did the Canons, did Father Josh do um, online? Oh. The Zoom? Yeah.
2: when you the nail on the head. Years ago, I wanted to do live... Uh, streaming? streaming? Streaming. I didn't know what that was. Yes. Yeah. And I actually, many years ago, had an individual willing to pay for the cameras, the lights, and everything. But we needed to do all new electrical. And and I thought, oh, my God, this is a fortune. Yeah. So I I couldn't do it. But, you know, thanks be to God, because of the COVID, and this is kind of a a good result, they went online for all the masses, the Vespers, and so on. They've extended the, the, uh, the boundaries of the parish globally. Sure. They're their Easter services. I think I heard the number that each day of uh, Holy Week, like Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, 40,000 hits. That's Uh, pretty good for a parish.
1: Oh, that's pretty good. That's a miracle, you know. Well, our parish in Rome, all of our um, weekday Masses for Lent were, because this all kind of began in Lent, they were online, and the priests were stunned. One of them is really tech-savvy. And they were really stunned to see that parishioners who would retire and live living back in America were watching and they would have especially on Sunday but a thousand we don't have a thousand families in our parish, but they would have a thousand families watching online. I think some of the churches are are, are a little worried that people are still reluctant to come to church. I don't know about you, but I mean Italy's back to normal where, the same yeah, thing, yeah. Yeah. I think
2: people are back to normal.
1: Yeah. Well, I have to tell you that I love your story. I love the story of St. John, Cantus. And when I came for that event with the Holy Sepulcher, and and we met, not knowing we were going to see each other after a few years, um, I just knew I had to do a story of a wonderful man of faith, your story, and a wonderful community of faith. St. John, thank you so much, John. It was yeah, a pleasure seeing you. Know, see you. It was a surprise, yeah, exactly. But it's so so great. It's it's like, here we
2: are. You know, seeing an old friend it just oh, I feel like there's no time.
1: Oh, that's it. That's the best thing about good friendships, too. And you don't have to catch up. You, you just do it when you see each other. So, well, my listeners, I should have said this halfway through our talk. Uh, Reintroduce Father Frank Phillips the former pastor of the church we've been talking about, St. John Cantus, And, you know, if you ever come to Chicago, please make a point. Go online. I'll put the address on my blog. Go online. Make sure one of your Sunday Masses is at St. John. At least one. You know, huh? At least one of them. At least one, yes. Oh, exactly. And you have a broad choice. Don't say, I didn't give you a choice. So, anyway... Well, Father Frank, God bless you. May God bless Father Josh, all the canons, the young men studying, and, and just the few wonderful parishioners that I've uh, met just up today. So, continued good luck and continued blessings.
2: And safe uh, trip back to Rome.
1: You got that right. And, you're in, the, yeah. and
2: in your apostolic
0: ministries.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.